Cultivated Marketer, Episode 23, Katie McCauley, Internal or Employee Communications, Part 2. Want to know what it takes to have a productive career in internal or employee communications? Check out Part 2 of our conversation with Katie McCauley, Employee Communications Guru, host of the Internal Comms Podcast, and International Executive Board Member for IABC. Welcome to Cultivated Marketer, where we talk marketing professional development so your garden of opportunity grows. This is Brent Bowen. And I'm Matt Tidwell. And today we've got part two of our conversation with Katie McCauley. Folks may remember that Katie is a leading voice in employee or internal communications. She's the managing director of AB, an agency designed to help organizations reach their full potential by creating informed, engaged, and connected employees. She's also the host of the Internal Comms Podcast and is a member of the International Executive Board for IABC, which I believe that's how, Matt, that's how you know her. It is. Yeah, and in our first episode, we talked with Katie a little bit about her career journey, the state of employee and internal communications And I believe what we have coming up here is, you know, pressing challenges for employee and internal communications in part two, you know, post pandemic and kind of otherwise, and then a little focus and conversation on about the podcast. Yeah. Really excited for this next part of the conversation because we knew pre pandemic that this is not your father's Oldsmobile with internal communications. Post-pandemic, that's absolutely the case, right? Because now we've changed the game in, in, in employee relations in many other different ways, including certainly remote learning and, and, you know, gosh, how many big companies do we know that are still struggling with how to do that appropriately? And so to say that Katie's onto something with, with her topic, is it any wonder she's getting the audience that she's getting on that podcast? Because it, it, it really is a brand new day in, in so many ways. And Gosh, I think back, Brent, when I broke into the business and internal communications, you know, let's send out a few newsletters and we'll write the CEO's message and we'll call it good. You know, that ain't going to cut it these days. Employees are empowered, you know, much more so than they were in the past. And also, of course, they're portable. They've got the ability to pick up and leave whenever they want. So I, I just think, and, and, and you, you brought that out a little bit in the first part of the conversation with Katie, boy, talk about a podcast whose time has come, right? Certainly. Uh, it was really cool to have that conversation. No, it was great to have that conversation. As you mentioned, you know, maybe even 10 years ago from an employer internal communications standpoint, and I've managed these functions and worked in these functions for large employers. It was really viewed as being, I'm just going to be frank, secondary to external communications from an executive leadership standpoint and particularly marketing too. And, and it was, it was really just around keeping folks informed. And now we've seen so much change management Mm -hmm. be incorporated in that in a complex environment where you mentioned we've got folks that are disparate, all could be remote all over the the United States or the globe and in asynchronous. So the the interesting part about her hosting an internal podcast is that's also where we're seeing a great deal of growth Mm -hmm. in podcasting is internally because folks are trying to stay connected. Yeah. You know, one of the 
the podcast we worked on a little bit a couple of years back was with Black and Veatch locally, mm. which was a strategic internal podcast to try and keep, you know, employees informed about strategy and where the organization was going to be going. So this is an extremely timely conversation with with Katie. Timely in the sense of it's it's relevant. Probably and people probably can hear me this in my voice. Part of the reason this is coming to you a little bit late and I'm a little raspy is I got a fought COVID and I barely came out of that scrap, but recovering from COVID. So I apologize and hope you guys can do with my salty voice here this episode. So well, we're uh, glad you're back and get well soon, my friend, for sure. But yeah. um, but yeah, no, I'm so glad. And, you know, we need we frankly on 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 this kind of podcast on our with our topic. We really need to do more in, in this internal communication space because you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, when I get out of school, boy, internal communications is like, eh, that's not really where all the, the sexy stuff is happening. I want to go work in media relations or I want to go work in advertising. And, and, you know, but in reality, what we're seeing now, and boy, you see this if you go to big conferences like IABC, is some of the most cutting edge stuff in marketing communications is happening on the internal side, not the external side. And I think it's because organizations have realized, wow, you know, if we, if we lose our employees, we're nothing. And, and in this day and age, you can lose them more quickly than ever. Yeah. So. And in this world of micro ambassadors and social media, they can be your best, the, your best ambassadors. And you think even about B Corps yeah. and the notion of the change of culture and culture being so important to an organization. It's wor- really working from the inside out yeah, to your sure. customers, which is great. Well, what's been happening in your, in your world? We've had. It's been a month since I've seen you and I've been, it's like, I've watched more soccer via the world cup, you know, or football than I've ever watched in my life while I was, while I was recovering from COVID. So that's about all I've been up to that in your end. What have you been? Yeah. Well, you've been you up know, to? if you're, if you're at work in academia, like I do, I mean, this is, this is a, a bit, you probably have more downtime in this time of year than any other, right? Because universities do tend to, to sort of close. In fact, KU is, my university is completely closed this entire week. You can't even get anybody on the phone there. So yeah, so this has been kind of nice to have some time off and, and get a chance to plan other activities that I have going on, things like, you know, working with you on, on the show and, and that kind of thing. So, but, but yeah, interspersed with watching a fair amount of, of football and, and getting excited for, for the next semester coming up, going to be teaching crisis communications again. And, and so, you and I were talking a little bit earlier, man, uh, we've, you know, <laughs> got a case study with Southwest oh and I'm a victim. <laughs> goodness. Yes. I'm licking my chops here. You know, people say, Hey, how do you plan for your classes that I open the newspaper or, or in the old days right now <laughs> yeah. I, I flip on my screen because it's, it's different every time. So just kind of getting ready for getting ready for class and, and, and then help helping a little bit, I should say with our friends at KCIABC, which kind of segues into the next thing we wanted to talk about, which is that they're going to have their, for those of you in the locally in the Kansas city area, they're going to have their terrific KCIABC business communicators summits coming up on February 23rd. It's going to be at the KU Edwards campus and really proud of the local chapter here for that event has been remote for, I believe it. We actually, we kind of launched our show three years ago at, at BCS. And now it's coming back as in the, in the ensuing two years, it was remote. Now it's going to be back in person and it's going to, you're going to have a great slate putting it together. Now a mix of local, the keynoter is going to be a guy we've talked about having on the show, a guy named Mark Schumann, who's an IBC fellow, highly, I've heard him speak a couple of times, highly recommend that he's definitely worth it for sure. He's going to come in to do the keynote, had a very interesting career. He's been, I call him kind of the CEO whisperer. He worked for Southwest Airlines. He's worked for that big travel conglomerate, Sabre, working directly with CEOs. So people like Herb Kelleher and, and folks like that. So I think Mark will be will be great. And it'll just be so good to have that event because it really kind of is a one of the only times of the year where we get kind of everybody in marketing comms. 
back together in, in one room. And, and so really excited about where that's going with the chapter uh, coming up here in, in February. Yeah. Great, great speakers, a tremendous opportunity for, for peers to collect locally. I know we had a BCS conference last spring, but it just wasn't folks weren't just quite ready to yeah. get back. But I, I have a feeling here in February, folks will be ready to come back. There are going to be a number of other programming and professional development opportunities. Some of them with. Yeah. Talk SM- to me about social media club. Cause I yes. know you've been doing a lot of work with them. Yeah. So we're putting together the slate for the, for the spring. There are a couple interesting potential guests. We're, we're looking at having the Lawrence police department, someone for that runs their Twitter handle. Oh yeah. That's Actually, a famous Twitter. handle. Yeah. It's a famous Twitter <laughs> handle. Come to speak to the group. Not just locally. Yeah. Not just locally, but it's kind of like the TSA. <laughs> It's kind of like the TSA Instagram account, right? It's, it's, it's pretty famous across the, across the globe. We're also going to have a tech expert and we will mention exactly who I believe it may be Burton Kelso that's coming to speak about online security Mm. and how to manage your, your digital life online in a secure manner. And so they, they're, I'll mention the dates, throw those out there. There are also a number of things that I know that are going on for the, you know, the solopreneurs through the freelance exchange and number of uh, yep. other, seen some of those uh, number of other organizations that we'll get up in the show notes as well. So anything else you can think uh, of? Don't think so. I, I, we just mentioned just for listeners, stay tuned, right? Because yeah. we've got a, a we're, 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 the calendar's turning here. So Brent and I are <laughs> ginning up some. Some terrific things for cultivated marketers who move into Q1. Really excited about an academic colleague of mine who we're going to have on, hopefully as soon as we have our interview scheduled. So that'll be coming up quick. It's Dr. Danny Legree from Kansas State University. And Danny's terrific. She, her, you and I were talking a little bit. Her research mm-hmm. is fascinating. She looks at issues of gender in marketing communications, issues of leadership in communications, fascinating topics like, you know, why do we tend to see women, females really gravitate to this business. And certainly you and I see that in the classes we teach at the sort of the younger levels. But yet when we look at the leadership levels, it's still unfortunately mostly men. So we, we've not reached the kind of equity that we need to have there. And, and she really digs very, very deep into those topics. And so we're going to need to be on our toes and, and, and get our questions together because she is a smart cookie and, and just really excited to have her on with us coming up here in just the next couple of weeks. Yeah. So we've got the emphasis on gender. Yep. And marketing communications and, and communications. And then also we're looking to line up a, a couple guests in nonprofit yes, as, absolutely. A, as a point yep. of discussion that I'm, that I'm working on. So folks look forward to those upcoming guests that we'll have here in the month of January is, you know, we turn the page into a new year, but for now, enjoy part two with Katie McCauley as we discuss with her employee internal communications the changes there, and her podcast. Katie just talked about a couple concepts, you know, connect and understand, open and honest. And we know the internal communicate because of external factors and even some byproducts of those external factors like the the great resignation we know internal communications has shifted and evolved in, in a rapid pace because of the pandemic and, and all these other factors you mentioned. What would you say are some of the most pressing challenges for not only internal communicators, but the organizations themselves and kind of this in this new, what I'm going to call kind of a new era 
your question is very cleverly worded, actually, because the first thing I would say is make sure that your communication challenges are your organization's challenges. So I always say, you know, you're fixing a organizational or business problem with comms. You're not just fixing a comms problem. So, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's actually, I think, very important. One of the first things I would say is what I'm seeing with clients every day is the sheer weight of business change and transformation. And this might be everything from, you know, a brand new strategy, a merger, an acquisition, an IT transformation, whatever it is. But we all know that great, you know, really successful change and transformation projects fail largely because they're not communicated in the right way. It needs a certain kind of consistent, coherent, considered communication style and lots of conversation. And that often doesn't take place, which is is why those change and transformation projects don't fulfill their potential. So I think the sheer weight of that change you know, we've got broad shoulders, but that's been quite, you know, that's been quite tough for a lot of comms people. Obviously, I'm going to have to say remote, remote working, whatever that looks like. But I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm keen to use that word advisedly, because I think when I think about remote, I, I mean it in two ways. So we might be physically remote, because we're lucky enough. And I, and I, I do want to say that some people are lucky enough not to have to work on the shop floor, as it were, And I think we need to be mindful that there are still a lot of employees who have to go to work every day. So in some ways, I don't want to make this just a conversation thinking the whole world is now working from home or able to, because that is just not the case. But nevertheless, there are people now, we've got organisations that used to have, say, 10,000 employees across two or three sites. Now they have 10,000 employees across 10,000 sites. How do they create community and culture in that kind of organisation? And then mentally remote as well, sort of psychologically remote. I've got clients that say, Katie, I'm now competing. My content is now competing with putting the washing on. Whereas I used to have those moments in the day when I was on site, when I might check the internet or look at the business TV or open an email, and now I'll slip away from my desk and, and do something else instead. So that I think that's quite interesting. The other challenge, and this is happening in boardrooms, you've mentioned it already, around the world, is how do we attract and retain talent? And that's a, that's, a, that's a real problem, I think. And for organizations, that's a question for them. They've got to sort of look at themselves and say, what is the experience we are offering our employees that makes them want to sign up and makes them want to stay? And I don't think since the pandemic in particular, we can be flippant or superficial about those things. So it used to be we could talk about smoothies and ping pong tables. And now we have to talk about much deeper things like, you know, flexibility, meaningful work, self-development, you know, offering people a genuine career path, having trusted and inspiring leaders. And and above all of that, ideally an organisation that knows why it exists, what its purpose is in the world beyond making money. So so that's one and i think you mentioned the book earlier it's a few years old but actually it's still relevant weirdly in that i wrote it because i saw too many clients broadcasting messages at people and what i thought would be more conducive would be creating environments where genuine conversation can flourish and we all know in our personal lives that the best conversationalists are actually the best listeners so 
one of the things I sort of encourage my clients to do is start with listening. You know, start by asking questions rather than jumping to solutions. So I think there's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of challenges out there, but that would be a handful. Well, and that last piece you talked about around having open conversation and you couple that with the remote workforce has certainly evolved because one of the one of the pieces of community was always the water cooler. Yes. Right. If you're if you're on if you're on site and that that's something that now is is a bit disassociated. Yes. Because because you're not you're not having that on site premise. The the other thing you mentioned that that struck me because I've transitioned, I've had roles in internal communication, but have transitioned to my career over time to be more of an external marketer. And one of the things you mentioned was large transformation. So I've helped large organizations through large transformation through mergers and acquisitions. And as you were talking, I was reflecting on that, some of those experiences and then trying to juxtapose those with some of my experiences as a marketer. And I'm, I'm wondering what kind of analytics or process has been put in place, if you know of one, that's around retention. And I'm also thinking about change curve here, right? So it's, you know, does, does an associate or an employee need to be just aware? Do they need to understand? Do they need to commit? You know, and do they need to buy in and commit, right? Each requiring a different level of action. And as a marketer, we know that in order for someone to buy, it could require seven touches, right? In different different forms long, along a marketing funnel. And I was wondering what, if anything, has been studied that you, you might be aware of that would be similar, you know, from an internal communication standpoint around that kind of discipline to, to affect, in, in some cases, may not be change. It may just be folks need to be aware. Right. Mm. When you mentioned the IT communication is you just need to be aware that your systems are going to be down from 4 a.m. to to 9 a.m. There's nothing we need you to do about it. Right. But then other communications require a buy in or commitment that need to affect change. And I, I was wondering what it struck me when we were talking about that, whether that's been that kind of study done yes. in ter- internal communication. So, well, in some ways, I think the answer is that before any organization embarks on any kind of communication plan, the study needs to be done internally first of themselves and their audience. Mm -hmm. And it's very tempting to think of the employee as one audience. It never is. And all the segmentation that applies, you know, demographic and psychographic is the same internally too. It's interesting you talk about, you know, the IT outage or the change of the menu in the canteen. I always mentally have always, it's a little bit old fashioned for me, but I always sort of split it between need to know and nice to know. So mm-hmm. there is need to know stuff. I need to know when my shift starts. I need to know that I can't access email at from five o'clock today. There's need to know stuff. And what's important about the need to know is that it's clear, it's timely, and it doesn't take up too much of my time. I don't want to know about the cake sale in London if I work in Paris, for example. So please segment me properly and don't waste my time with that. Then this is other stuff which could be described as nice to know, but you're absolutely right. It's often around the change curve and it might be around some kind of process or behavior change as well. So we're launching a new system, something's changing. It might be around risk and compliance, health and safety, how we approach customers is changing. And all of that, all the things you're talking about moving people along the change curve is relevant here. 
And you talk about seven touches, and I think that's so insightful again, because what do I see so often is a chief executive stepping up to a podium with his 64 PowerPoint slides with 17 bullet points on each one, going through the rationale, stepping off the podium and wondering why people aren't changing and doing things differently. So the study becomes internally to say, if you want to affect change and influence people inside this particular organisation, what does that look like? So who are the organisation's influencers? How important is line managers, team leaders in this organisation? thought leaders and who are they and who who do people listen to? How am I going to get feedback to find out how this change is going to be received? And so often that comes down to how change might have been executed in the past. And is there kind of some baggage that's hanging around that we need to get rid of and own up to first of all, before we even move forward? What language should I be using? Too often when I do focus groups, we discover that actually you know, people are just using very different language in the boardroom compared to on the on the shop floor. So you're absolutely right. It's it's seven touches, it's 70 different touches. It needs to be thought through and coordinated, and it needs to be based on the uniqueness of that organization, which probably doesn't help listeners because you're thinking, oh my goodness, I wanted a template. But face-to-face is all <laughs> I would all I would say is face-to-face. We live in a highly digitized world, but face-to-face is still the most powerful form of communication. So that is worth bearing in mind when you consider having a potentially hybrid workforce as well. Yeah. I don't think we gave folks a template, but I gave, I think we gave them a fair new question to ask, right? (laughs) How many touches within, how many touches within this organization are required, right? Yes. And the Stratcom's planning document that's a fair new question to, a fair new question to ask absolutely i, I like it interesting as katie was talking is and i spent many years in corporate as well but oh my gosh you know how many times are we you know we're hurting everybody into the hotel ballroom with the you know the melted danish and the coffee in the back and then you know and this ceo comes up and exactly to your point katie it becomes death by powerpoint and, and you know i can just remember thinking this is not really the way we should be communicating and moving people but yet how many times do we see that mistake made over and over again? Yeah, this is terrific. We've actually covered so much great territory about internal communications, which we could go on probably for all day. But if you could indulge us, because we've been talking about your focus, if we could switch just a second to more of the focus that we have on, on our podcast, and Brent and I are both interested in, that's younger professionals and how they ought to be thinking about their career and, and how they're going to develop their career. And you know, it, it strikes me, internal communications is fascinating to me, and it has. I've worked in both internal and external. But now, of course, in my role in education, I'm working with a lot of younger professionals. So, you know, my master's degree program where the average age is probably, you know, 27 years old, something like that. And it's been traditionally the attitude that I saw when I would talk with, with young professionals or certainly people coming out of college was, oh, my gosh, internal communications. That's the boring stuff, right? I'm, I'm really just going to be communicating about change of menu and, and when IT goes down. No, no, no. I want to work on the cool stuff. I want to do the, the photo shoots and the videos. And now it's the Instagram management. And, you know, yeah, yeah, that's where the action is, right? And so that's that visceral common denominator reaction from that younger audience. But of course, w- what I knew working myself for a while in internal applications is that that's not the case at all. And when I talk with a lot of them who've had those jobs, is actually they find it to be quite stimulating and interesting. And, and we've been talking about some of those too. And just recently, some of the strategies and the cutting edge stuff happening in our business is actually happening on the internal side. So I just love to get your opinion on that. What, how should we respond to these young people that come to us and say, 
no, no, that's boring. Send me over to the Instagram team. That's where I would work uh, menus for somebody else. <laughs> it's so funny because that's it's definitely how it used to be. So internal comms was the poor relation. We were the ones that always stood at the back of the room and investor relations, marketing, PR were getting all executives' time and attention and, quite frankly, their, their budgets as well. And I think even before the pandemic, that was changing. And then, of course, the pandemic exacerbated change everywhere. And now we've got smart leaders that absolutely recognise that great organisations are built from the inside out. And actually, your primary audience is your employee audience. And that, in some ways, in many ways, has to kind of come first. But it's so funny. I mean, people my age talk about falling into internal comms, almost like they weren't looking where they were going. And and I fell into this role. Whereas now I'm hearing from recruiters who say, no, people are making an active choice to come into internal comms. And there's probably a few reasons for that. I mean, I think the line has blurred between internal and external. I think that's, you know, so so I do have clients who are creating content internally. 50% of it, they want to be on LinkedIn or another external platform. So they understand that it's building the brand both internally and externally. And obviously, we're using a greater range of media. I think the other thing is that Weirdly, because our budgets have been slender, we've had to be very creative. So it's almost like that's been the mother of invention in some ways. So we get to be quite hands and quite, I was going to say, you know, the craft actually is quite important to us because we don't, we can't solve the problem just by getting the big ad agency in. So I think, I think that's quite interesting. And if you're interested in the craft, there's still quite a lot of that in internal comms as well. And then finally, I mean, what was amazing to me, and I'm, I'm sure your listeners know about the Adelman Trust Barometer. It comes out every year in January. 33,000 people interviewed in that study worldwide. And it's tracking trust against all societal institutions. So from governments, media, business in general, NGOs. And it asked this question this year about, you know, what's the most trusted source of information? media from my employer is most trusted. It's the media that people do not need to see as often as the others to believe it's trusted and true. Now, when I see, you know, I see folks at events and things like that, I say, this is your license to operate. If you're willing to be fair and open and transparent with your employees, you know, you've got this opportunity to, to step forward. So I think, yeah, there's lots of reasons why I think it's sexier, <laughs> if I can use that word than it used to be. And I think there's a lot going on and we haven't even seen, I mean, we're only at the beginning of employee value propositions. That's going to, that's going to be very interesting. So I think, yes, and purpose. I think at the moment we've got lots of purpose washing. We're going to get serious about purpose at some point. It makes this space really interesting, I think. That's great. I'm glad you mentioned leadership commitment because I think that's helped a lot too, right? I mean, as leaders have become more enlightened about the need and, and, and stakeholders have become more empowered, right? We talk about stakeholder empowerment all the time on the external side. It's also very true on the internal side. And I think you're good leaders and say, I know my favorite CEO, I'll just tell a quick story. My favorite CEO of all time, I was working on the internal communications team. And, you know, we've all worked for CEOs. Some of them get communications, some of them don't, right? I tell people, if you're, if you bat 250, you get one out of four, you consider yourself lucky in your career. Uh, it's probably a crass comment, but, but I'm getting head shaking on the other side there. So, but this guy was really forward thinking and came to us on the internal communications team. And, and he was, 
was a little disillusioned with how things were going with, you know, the, the ever famous employee, the annual employee survey. And he actually had a great relationship with our team. He, again, I said, he's a communications guy. He said, you know, this year we're going to try something different. I'm going to have the internal communications team run the engagement survey. So I'm taking it out of uh-huh. his hands and you all are going to run it. I want you to send it out. I want you to communicate the result. And I just thought, wow, because his point was, you should own employee engagement. It should not be just solely the property of HR. It should be as much, the kind of like two houses of commerce, it should be as much the property of internal communications in terms of, you know, analyzing it, studying it, driving it, et cetera. And I'm just, wow, how forward thinking. And this was 20 years ago. But to your point, I think more of that realization of just the importance of communications as a powerful tool to drive engagement. We're seeing that more from leadership. It has to help at the end of the day. So yeah. my, my bright, shining internal communications CEO story. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it had me chuckling as well because we talked about, you know, even my transition more from internal communication to more marketing focused the last several years. And I'll have clients ask me about my first influencer marketing program. And it was an internal communication stakeholder program for a manufacturing environment where we ended up identifying influential employees who were the line where who who back to the water cooler, who are the folks that people are budding up to at the water cooler. That was my first influencer marketing program. <laughs> yes. Internal communications activity, right? Internal yes. communications program. So it's 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 so apropos. And it, it leads us to our next question too around those who are wanting, you know, a productive or successful career in internal communication. What skills are you saying that are good skills as a basis for a for a solid career? You know, we, we're talking about as Matt's mentioned, we we have a lot of younger professionals. We have folks that are in career transition as well that are thinking about getting into a role within marketing or communication profession. So what what skills are you saying that are good foundational skills? First of all, I think general business acumen. So it helps to know why, for example, turnover is vanity and profit is sanity, for example. It helps to know <laughs> the implications of your organization's stock or share price, as we say in the UK, rising or falling. So general business acumen, I think, is important. And then there will be specifics about your organization and its marketplace. And that will be specific around regulation, exactly how it makes money, its competitive environment, how it measures success, and the obstacles internal and external to success. So there's very specifics, and, I, and, and I'm not sure you can learn about that any other way but then other than actually talking to and interviewing the people that are crafting this and helping to implement the strategy. So I think that's, that's really important. For me, and maybe it's just a passion, but it's something I, I think I've seen over the years just proved so useful, the ability to gather insight and conduct research. There is... We, we do produce the AB, some wonderful creative, but it always comes out of a really good brief. And the brief comes out of really good insight. So do you know how to collect robust data and analyze it? If you don't have data, then all you've got is an opinion. And it might be a really good opinion, but it's no more valid than anyone else's. So I would say, build your credibility by knowing how to gather insight and data. And the final one, and I think it's just stood me in good stead, so I just pass it on to everyone else, is curiosity. It's genuine curiosity. And I heard Malcolm Gladwell a couple of weeks ago saying, curiosity can be a habit, 
not just a trait. And I thought, oh, that's that's very wise. That's very wise. Build it in your daily, weekly routine. I do something called a Friday update. In fact, I'll give you the links. Anyone can subscribe to it. It's five bullet points long. It's never more than five. And it's what I've seen each week that's interesting in the world of comms, subscriber-only content. And the act of writing it means I have to go looking for that stuff. Otherwise, I wouldn't. So, you know, do read, do research, ask for recommendations. And don't be afraid, I think, also to go back to the basics. It's interesting. I've got a few books behind me and I was looking at the shelves the other day and I was thinking, do you know what? Some of this stuff, John Cotter, Jim Collins, Amy Edmondson, it's still relevant today. So, yeah, hone your curiosity muscle, <laughs> if that's a thing. I hope our, our classes were listening there because there were some big time pearls dropped, right? Business action, <laughs> starting with how many times do we talk to students about that? That know your business before you're, you're working in it. And by the way, when you're in internal communications, I would say I, I certainly felt when I was external, yeah, I could kind of fake my way through knowing the business and really, but boy, you get into the internal side, you better know the metrics and you better have a keen understanding of that. And so I, I think all marketers should start with business acumen, but I think on internal communications, it's even more important. And then the other thing that I loved your, your emphasis on was, was the importance of research and data there, right? There's a, I put up a quote many times on the board for, for students, and I think it was from the CEO of Netscape, but he had a great quote. He said, I forget his name now, but the quote was very simple. One sentence, it says, he's talking to his leadership team, and he says, if we have data, let's go with the data. If we have opinions, let's go with mine, <laughs> which I felt. <laughs> 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 and you don't come with the data, then guess what? Somebody's opinion is probably what's going to be driven. And if it's the CEO, it's probably going to be his or hers. So yeah, great, great, great thoughts along. Why did I conjure images of Jurassic Park when they put the frog DNA in the dinosaurs <laughs> and then all the dinosaurs ate all the patrons in the park? <laughs> that That's the metaphor I conjured out of that, Matt, was... The opinion getting inserted, and now the dinosaurs have run amok. As I say, it reminds me of a cartoon, Matt, that I saw very early on in my career. So this would have been sort of mid to late 90s, where it's a boardroom table, all full of men, just one woman, and the chief executive saying, that's a great idea, Miss Jones. Would one of the men here like to make it? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, times have changed and moved on. <laughs> thankfully, yeah, thankfully, times have changed. And, and you mentioned the Friday update, that, that whole notion of curiosity. That's a link we'll put in the, the show notes so folks can subscribe to that and continue to, to foster your continued curiosity as well as, as well as theirs. Katie, we've truly appreciated the time together. Is there anything else you'd like to mention that we may have missed along the way? I don't think so. This has been such fun. Thank you so much for inviting me on your show. It's been a blast. Well, thank you. Well, we've, we've truly enjoyed it. We've truly enjoyed it. Folks, make sure we're going to include a couple of the links that Katie had mentioned in the show notes, but included along with that, we'll also include a link to her book. Again, Katie's the author of From Cascade to Conversation, Unlocking the Collective Wisdom of Your Workforce. Katie, it's truly been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks, Katie. If you found value in today's episode, check us out on our website, cultivatedmarketer.com. 
You'll also be able to subscribe to us, rate us, and leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Remember, a garden of opportunity grows with Cultivated Marketers.